Welcome to the Maximo Theater and Performance Podcast. This is our final report from the 2017 January Theater Festivals. In case you don't make it to the end of this episode, please note we will be on a brief hiatus until February 22nd. So there will not be an episode previewing Theater Beyond Broadway in February. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Maximu if you have any questions or need recommendations. Enjoy the show. Let's do introductions. Jack, who are you? I'm Jack, as you mentioned. I am the literary associate at the Public Theater, uh, which is home of the beloved Under the Radar Festival for full disclosure purposes. Also for full disclosure purposes, my views are my own. Great. And Deep. Hi, I'm Deep Tran, associate editor at American Theater Magazine. And I'm pretty awake this morning. All right. That makes one of us. <laughs> Liz is I'm stretching the, the tiredness bring, factor. Bring in to the, the sleep. Uh, Liz, I'm fucking yeah, great plays. And also, this is going to come out on Wednesday and then on Thursday, the first episode of the year for my other podcast, Bloody Date Night, yes. will come out. So if you like listening to me talk, you can hear it again the next day. Love Yay. it. Woohoo! And I'm Lindsay. I run the podcast, and today we are going to be talking about another radar affiliated with the public theater, and I do some consulting work for them. So, conflict of interest disclosed. We are here for our third and final conversation about the January theater festivals. Yeah, where did the time go? Oh Indeed, I know where it went. The month <laughs> is half over. Into my sinuses. I got a cold. You always get sick this time. Yeah, year. I always get a, I get a post festival cold. Festival flu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you need to hydrate, Jack. That's so important. Oh yeah, I know, I know. It's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I forget that every year. <laughs> oh boy, I literally said that yesterday to someone. <laughs> okay, we're going to start by talking about blind cinema at Coil, and I'm going to do the introduction. Wonderful idea. Yay. This is from an artist named Britt. Hatzius, I hope I pronounced that right, from the United Kingdom and Belgium. This performance takes place in a movie theater. The audience of adults sits and watches about 15 seconds or so of a movie and then places blindfolds over their eyes. Then a group of children between the ages of 8 and 11 that's right come in and use a what are those things called that they use like does it have a name horn like a horn like an ear horn an ear horn i think that's the name and uh the adults put the end of the ear horn to their ears and then the children speak into the other end and they narrate the film that they are seeing for the first and only time to the adults. So what you have is rows of blindfolded adults, rows of not blindfolded whispering children <laughs> filled an auditorium that where a film is being projected that the adults cannot see and the children can and they're describing it. Rows of whispering children, by the way, is my favorite Simon and Garfunkel album. <laughs> Rose of Whispering Children is the scariest <laughs> horror film yeah, I've right. ever yes. seen. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. That sound is like the Grim Reaper scraping its nails on your door. It is very frightening. I mean, that moment where you put the blindfold on and you heard the door open and I heard all these teeny tiny sneakers. Just yeah. Followed by the aroma of children. Very distinct. Not that pleasant. Yeah. It's like a general, or it's it's the general smell of like people who are not yet old enough to have mastered hygiene. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> they it's don't like, shower every day. No, that's way too much for them. They get the basic idea, but the finesse part of it that comes it's later. Lost. And yeah. they're in that phase; they're not quite old enough to wear deodorant, but really, they're on the cusp of needing it. Yeah, I feel like you don't like children. Oh. I love my nieces and nephews. Okay. Yeah. Only if they're related to you. I'm, I'm the same oh, way. I, I don't I'm a sucker for all children, honestly. This was still nightmare fuel, but um, <laughs> I, I love yeah. children. I mean, toddlers are cuter than like grade school kids, which I think are the demographic that we're talking in this yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not that cute at 10. So my experience was for the first five minutes, my brain was just screaming at me. This is so creepy. This is so creepy. Yeah. This is so creepy. I couldn't 
identify with the voice in my ear, like trying to visualize it at all. It was just, all I heard was, but then I was like, it will probably be less creepy if you stop shouting to yourself, this is so creepy. (laughs) And I think that maybe it's actually not creepy, but you're sort of imposing that view on this. There's nothing wrong with a child whispering in a room full of adults. I mean, there's something about the dynamic that's super weird. Well, but to be fair to you, it's not a normal thing to experience. No. Right? Right? So, so yeah, it takes, it does take about a few minutes to like get used to the, the mechanism of this performance. I mean, even just like being blindfolded is is taking away a lot of agency and then you're ha- you're handing over the the steering wheel to a child. Yeah. And that's that's unnerving. I can get that. I don't know. I I found it delightful. I but. really liked it. I think it probably uh, I, I I'm interested to hear people's experience because I think it depended on who your child was. Oh, yes. I should also add that your child rotated. You yes. right. have the you same have three children during for 40 the minutes. Of, yeah. Cuz like I had like the first kid I had was like this little boy. It sounded like a little boy who was just really bad at his job, like really bad at describing this film. (laughs) Like it was a lot of like, my favorite quote of his was like, "Um, and then this man does something, I don't know, nobody knows. I'm like, like, and I wanted to be like, nobody knows. You're like eight. Like that's really like nobody knows. But then like the third person was this little girl who was hilarious. Like she was doing color commentary on what she was saying too. And she was, I was like, this girl's fucking hilarious. Well, it was funny because everyone was having such a different experience that I was having maybe a sort of somber moment. And yet other people in the audience were laughing. Yeah. I had that too. Yeah. Some kids were like delivering a stand up comedy routine (laughs) into these ear horns. Yeah. Yeah. I had one of the funny kids. I had I had the the first girl I had was like if someone had asked me as an eight year old to do it, which is I'm gonna go in there I'm gonna be so thorough. Okay, yeah. there are three books and they are on the floor and then you're gonna open this one and it's the second page and there's a boy and he has a hat and it's, it's just like it was wonderful. I, I was I found my oh, yeah. my people and then my favorite favorite at the end of the, you know they finished the movie and the little boy goes, my name is Saul and I had a wonderful time. <laughs> That's Saul signing off. I love your Saul. God bless you, Saul. Deep, anything to add? Oh, I didn't see this. Oh, you didn't? Oh, uh, right. You missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I missed the. Um, my train was running really slowly, and I only had one ticket anyway, and Liz was there. So I'm just like, Liz, just take my <laughs> so ticket. I took it. <laughs> take one for the team. It's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was right. very strange. Any yeah. other closing comments on this one? I mean, yeah. I can't really say like good or bad. I'm not even casting any kind of critique on it. It's just it it was the experience it was. It was very interesting. I wouldn't do it again. Yeah, but but the one thing that I was like in my head, if I if I'm gonna get a little slightly grander about it, mm-hmm. you know, was I was I was reflecting on the futility of description is what I was doing during that. And how there was, I, 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 it was, I think it was like, what, a 40-minute performance? Yeah. About 15 minutes in, I stopped trying to actually follow the film and, like, and try to piece together what was happening in the film. And I just started listening to the way that these children were choosing to describe what they saw. And that I knew that like, if, I, if suddenly you took the blindfold off, and you and we got to watch the the film. I would go, oh, that's what you meant. But that was part of the, I think, part of the desired effect. I would imagine is like, there's no way the, actually trying to visualize this film in your head using the descriptions of children is actually impossible. Yeah, it would have been an interesting exercise after the fact to have some form of collecting feedback from the adult audience as to what it is they absorbed about the meaning and happenings of the film because at one point something about a hand a glove maybe belonging to a monkey or a gorilla was involved and afterwards i asked the person sitting next to me was that in your film and they were like yeah there was a gorilla and i was like oh but was it a glove or like how what exactly was happening there (laughs) yeah we were we were even debating you know is it animated is it live action is it a combination of the two what sort of medium or i don't know there's something really great, maybe the point being, or at least what I took away is, you know, sinking into turning over control to an unreliable narrator. Yeah. An unreliable leader. Sure. I don't know. Okay, moving on. Jack, what do you want to talk about? 
Oh, just anything? Ooh, this is a free-for-all. Uh, not going to be a free-for-all, but you've seen some shows that only you have seen. Yeah, so why don't you I, pick I, one I prioritized uh, uh, my home theater's festival uh, just because I always make an effort to see everything, which was a grand total of 21 shows. And I, I unfortunately didn't, uh, unlike previous years, didn't get a chance to go out to American Realness and Coil uh, and the other festivals as much as I would have liked. Um, but as I've been reflecting on the Under the Radar Festival in particular, there's a couple of artists that I just want to make sure our listeners know about because they're, you know, the festivals are done, but the artists are still working and, and living and thriving in New York. Uh, one of them is Daniel Alexander Jones um, and his better half, Joe Mama Jones, uh, who uh, did a... Uh, a concert version of a new musical that Daniel's been working on as part of the Joe's Pub in concert at the Under the Radar Festival. It was a show called Blacklight, and it is such a gorgeous showcase for what I love about the character of Joe Mama Jones, who is like the best like elementary school teacher you never had. She is smart. She is uplifting. She is sassy. She is everything. Uh, and there's a couple of parts of that show that grabbed a hold of me um, in a way that made me kind of contextualize the Under the Radar Festival as being this sort of post-election uh, experience we were having. Um, this is sort of the first deep dive into culture that I've had since the election, and there was this wonderful mix of optimism as well as stark sort of frightened reality that permeated the vibe of just about every show and at least the under the radar festival and it got me thinking about that a lot uh but Jamama jones uh, if you have never seen um that delightful character perform i highly urge you uh to go see it if only just because the thing i'll tease you with is the opening line that you hear in the darkness is Jamama jones saying what if i told you everything was going to be all right um and then ending that monologue with, what if I told you not all of us are going to make it? Mm. And it's just, and then there's this beautiful, it all culminates in this celebration of Prince, who was Joe Mama's idol. And and it's, it's it was heartbreaking and beautiful and soaring and optimistic. Did you see Duat at Soho? I did, yeah. And is the character the same teacher from the second half of that show? Yeah, well, it's Joe Mama Jones is the character that Daniel's been performing for you. the teacher. Oh, no, 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 not the teacher. No, this was actually stories about Joe Mama's, actually it was a lot of reflections on uh, quote unquote, young Joe, uh, her young life and her a lot of conversations about her aunt Cleotha. Um, there's backstory about Joe Mama Jones that it was in Duat that is explored more deeply in Blacklight. Um, and actually, I was really touched by the sort of reminiscences about Aunt Cleotha, who is this very um, sort of taciturn um, survivor and uh, of the civil rights movement. And so, kind of putting that sort of older generation uh, who fought for um, sort of a, a more just America, um, sort of transposing that to the current climate we live in was was really well done and not done in a way that was beating you over the head with the responsibility we all now have. But it was this this reminder of what is in our DNA as Americans in a way that was just so gorgeous. And that the, the country we have inherited is the country that was in some part built by sort of uh, unsung heroes like this fictional Ancleotha, but also uh, artists like Prince. And I loved being made aware of that or being reminded of that. And it was just, I was uh, I was very, very moved by it. So that's the first thing I would mention. Wow. I hope that comes to a larger stage so we all get a chance to see that. Too. That sounds fantastic. Okay. Deep. Shall we discuss Porto? Sure. Uh, well, okay, I have to admit, I need to look up the program for this one because they don't give you paper programs at the Bushwick Star. I have the press release. Do you want that? Oh, yeah, that works. That works, too. Thank you. Okay, so Porto is currently playing at the Bushwick Star. It's part of the Exponential Festival, which which is actually month-long. So you can actually catch some of the, some of the shows still. So it's great. So I didn't have to prioritize it these past two weeks. Uh, so Porto is currently playing at the Bushwick Star. It's by Kate Benson and directed by Lee Sunday Evans. Uh, Kate and Lee both uh, did a, a very... Oh, th something... So that play that I really liked. Sunday on the banks a, of the Great Lakes. A very beautiful Sunday on the banks of the greatest of the Great Lakes. Whew, Okay. <laughs> Which was this, this zany Thanksgiving play that was in the style of a sports sports game. And sports games. Sports games in general. Love some kind games. of sports. Love those sports games. <laughs> Go teams. Go sports. 
And uh, Porto is set in a gentrified neighborhood bar. And so Bushwick. It's, yeah, somewhere in Williamsburg or Bushwick. And it's about the regulars at the it's a bar play, basically. Mm-hmm. And what and what kind of sets it apart is there is this running commentary from an omnipotent narrator who kind of comes in and out of the character's head. Sometimes she's talking to the characters and sometimes she's talking to you, the audience, and she'll describe things like how they make sausage or how por- pigs are raised or how hard it is how hard it is, is it to be a single woman in New York City. And Porto is the name of a, of a main character who is single and who, like most single people in New York, has commitment issues. And the entire play is about her trying to, like, rectify, like, wanting to be in a relationship with doing the feminist thing, which is being happy by being alone. And so I really, it's 90 minutes. I really enjoyed it. Because, because, like, like, you guys were talking about this in last week's episode about how, like, most of the stuff at these festivals are very, like, they're trying to shock you or they're trying to, like, do something that, like, messes with your head a little bit. And this didn't do any of that. It was just a really solid, straight play about modern feminist existential crises, which I appreciate. Because I was single, I, I was single in New York City, and being single in New York City is a very particular kind of suckage. <laughs> <laughs> and so I appreciated that. I don't really know if there is anything else to say. I was really enamored by the food that they had. Oh yeah, like oh, all yeah. Of the different sausages, and they had like they brought out steaks at one point, and they brought out a stew, and I'm just like, who? making this backstage i want to know how you're doing this every night and what exactly they're eating because it looks very authentic yeah i don't I, I agree with you i feel like a lot of the the shows in these festivals are like quick and dirty plamo punch you know wake you up shock you what have you and this i want to i mean i think it's experimenting really interesting with the form with the omniscient narrator um you know, the sort of surrealist elements of thinking of the, the reveal towards the end of the show that I don't want to spoil because it's just so nice. Um, so it's, it's experimenting in a, in a different way, but in a way that I understood immediately the parameters of this new mm-hmm. world setup that they were creating and felt interesting and new, but also very comfortable. And... Yeah, and also that f- the food, that, that sausage they kept talking about. That frog like, gras sausage? Like, I wanted that. Yeah, <laughs> wrapped in bacon. Like, <laughs> well, of course I want that. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I think all the performers were excellent. It was so, they were just all good. People I'd seen in other things and not in a while, and so it was nice to see them back again. Yeah, I just want to add a comment for the set designer, Kristen Robinson. I thought the set of the show was so fantastic. It, as Deep mentioned, it, it's set in a bar, but you get a view of a bar that is not always the view you get at the theater. So kudos to her yeah. and her team, because I thought that that was very well done here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've not seen the show. I have a ticket for, I think, a week from now. But what I will say for anyone who just – and well – Lisa Day Evans is one of my favorite directors um, mm-hmm. in and around New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been very, very active. She's one of the busiest sort of mid-career directors uh, in this town. And I highly urge you, anytime you see her name attached to a show, to seriously consider going. Absolutely. Because we are very quickly about to enter a time when the shows that Lee will be directing will be unaffordable. So go see her work now while the tickets are still $20. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. She directed Caught, which we talked about we extensively did. on the podcast. No, and she's we really, really liked good it. at yeah, doing the gen- so genre bending. Yeah. Surrealist. Yeah. And I, I've seen her direct, you know, sort of uh, madcap crazy things. I've seen her direct very sort of naturalistic plays. I've seen her direct the shit out of Shakespeare. Like I don't. I've I've never seen her not scale a wall, theatrically. So um, go go get at it. Great. Okay, let's move on to anatomy theater. Liz. Oh, I'm doing it. All right. Forgot that I said that. I would do that. So anatomy theater was part of Prototype. So it was an opera. 
by David Lang and Mark Dion. And it is a short piece. Uh, it's about an hour, uh, as they all are, that follows a woman through her execution by hanging. Then the body is sold to an anatomy theater demonstration, which the audience is a part of. And you spend this time watching a whole bunch of men talking about a woman's body parts piece by piece. So that's interesting and relevant to our lives. They start it with more sausage, actually. Uh, <laughs> sausage and beer in the lobby, and you get a Very sign. different context, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. How were they? They were pretty delicious. You didn't eat one? No, I was running late. Oh. I had two. Uh, <laughs> that's right. You could, you could eat fine. mine. That's I, fine. Yeah, I had two. And so there's like wenches, I guess. These like women running around with trays of sausages for you and you get assigned a profession because then they talk about it later though it doesn't really come back to to do anything but i was a barber um so of course you were yeah so i hung out with all the other barbers and ate sausage it was very good so they're like woo execution and the drummers come out and they take you into the theater and then all of a sudden it's just black it's just this tiny spot and you see this awful woman pleading her case she killed her husband and her children, because the husband was abusing her, and then the kids walked in while she was killing the husband, and she panicked, and so she killed everybody. Right. Um, and she pleads her case. And then she's silenced, because uh, they hang her, and they take her uh, back and cut her into pieces. Now, I think the show is worth seeing just for the effects that they use to mm. take this woman's body parts apart. I've done a lot of stage blood craft and I'm still puzzling through some of it and it's awesome and weird. Um, I don't know how much I liked the show itself. I, I can see why it's relevant. I can see why it's coming out right now mm-hmm. and I can see the parallels, but it felt in execute in execution. Hey, a hey, uh, little, I don't know. It felt a little basic. I wanted it to go a little bit deeper. I just sorry, these anatomy puns are just no, they're, they're coming they're, out of me. No, they're on the um, table. Pick them up. <laughs> Pick up the organ. Ladies. I'm gonna stop talking before I keep spilling them. <laughs> Woo! Before you spill, yeah, I would drop spill this mic, nuts. but Lindsay would kill me. <laughs> hey, we need to sell 100 T-shirts so we can buy a new <laughs> mic. I feel like it was more sensationalist than anything else. It's more like, oh, I, I'm, well, kind of like how they probably would have advertised it in the 1800s or wherever this period this period piece is set of, hey, look, everyone, come see us take apart this woman's body. And that's basically what they did. And it wasn't it wasn't very profound. And at some points, it kind of made me feel uncomfortable because one of the actors, uh, Mark Kudish, who played like the person who sold this woman's body to the surgeon like mm. at he just kind of he's like a lecherous he's playing a lecherous type and like at some points like he just like grabs her leg like very like virulently and it just made me feel really uncomfortable right. like, and she's still because oh. the actress is like I mean, she's still alive, and and you and the, and like she's like completely nude. Yeah, there's a lot of groping going on. Yeah, and it, like it all. I understand where they're going with it. I think it needed more it needed mm. more gravitas it needed more it needed a point something yeah i, I, was I, like, I like, get it i get yeah. it you can't find the source of this woman's evil she's just evil because she's a woman yeah do you get the sense that like because this actually i didn't see this piece but it reminds me of it, it sounds like it, it part of the purpose of the show is to sort of like dramatize this this sort of ancient form of theater this like you know the sort of like the way they would do like sort of live surgeries and stuff like that in live mm-hmm. you know taking mm-hmm. a part of cadavers for the purposes of science but also sensationalism and it sort of reminds me a little bit of I me mean, obviously far less graphic of uh blueprint specials which was at the intrepid which was like this sort of this restaging of this these old musicals that were commissioned by the US military so it was, and 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 actually most of the appeal of that show was just the like oh this is a th- a historical thing a way in which performance used to manifest itself in this very specific context is that a little bit is it well i didn't i didn't see blueprint special yeah but i did feel like part of this didn't spend as much time on on the actual anatomy part yeah 
Like, we got a whole song about the 15 tools you use to take apart a body. And they repeated it over. And they repeated it a lot. over again. Yeah. Um, but very little when they'd be like, and here's the heart. How's the heart look? Nope, evil's not there. All right. Oh, I see. Here's a okay. spleen. He's a, here's a uterus. Like, they kind of, when they built the yeah. anatomy part up so much that when it actually came to, you know, disemboweling this woman, like, it was over within 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So it's and the, there was no, like, under, like, I think I saw Blue, Blueprint special. And the, right. the great thing about it is they kind of, like, took out a little bit, I mean, not all, but took out some of the some of the racism that would have been part of that time, took out some of the sexism and kind of made they gave you a remove to be like, okay, you just appreciate like what our military did for their soldiers. That's awesome. But this like there I don't really see what the intrinsic value of recreating this art form, it, this practice is right. if you're not going to criticize a practice, and it's, it's a very dom- male-dominated, misogynistic practice, and they presented it as such without any commentary on it. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, there were women in the audience for the hanging, and then they disappeared, and we never saw them again. Yeah, oh. which I thought was kind of interesting. Okay, yeah. and also it just made me feel. I, I know it's like I, I'm fine with nudity on stage. It's I'm completely fine, but it just made me feel really uncomfortable to just see a woman's naked body and she i know she's still alive at some point she does sing while she's dead and just seeing her like i feel like that i feel like that's like a very vulnerable position to be in and i really felt kind of like please cover her up like she's not in a position of power right now so okay something completely different work table at the coil festival this is a live installation by the artist kate mcintosh from belgium I talked about this on the preview podcast, and then that description proved to be pretty accurate. Basically, (laughs) you enter into the invisible dog space in Brooklyn, and there are shelves of objects, and you go and select your object, and you are told, oh, I should add... First, you sign a release. Oh, (laughs) man. I know, Jack. I cannot believe that was my whole thing. I know. I know. So you sign a release <laughs> and you are told that you are to select an object that you will then need to take apart. So, you know, don't get anything you're too attached to. <laughs> so you take your object into a room where you are alone in isolation, which I very much appreciated. And a le- a, a, arrayed on the table are all kinds of tools for destruction, um, along with safety equipment. There are goggles. There's even like a face shield, gloves and you're asked to please use the safety equipment and to use any of the other equipment that you would like, a saw, a hammer, screwdrivers. I mean, there are probably more than 10 tools on the table to take apart your object, to destroy it. Then you take your object and go to a second room where there are shelves of other destroyed objects, people who have come before you. You select your you leave your object, you select a different object that has been destroyed, you take it to one of several craft tables that are set up, there, and there is an equivalent amount of tools and other objects that you can use to reconfigure the broken object. Right. And so I think we should uh, each, just each who attended this, give our own experience. I selected a pink ceramic dog that I struck one time with a hammer and completely shattered. It was incredibly satisfying to do so. (laughs) I was so thrilled. It was such an enormous relief, like not relief, a release of like anxiety and like stress. I, I, that moment was extremely satisfying. And then I gathered all my pieces up, some of which had flown entirely across the room. The room's about like 10 by 10 feet or so. I put it all in the little uh, cardboard box top and I took it to the next room. And then in the next room, I selected this like weird mechanical monkey on a motorcycle piece of tin toy. (laughs) And uh, I don't know, I reconstructed it. I feel like I didn't do a very good job. I needed a hot glue gun and there wasn't one. I know, they missed having a hot glue gun. And I tried to use super glue and it wasn't really working. So I just kept using more and more super glue. And then I went to other tables and got additional bottles of super glue. (laughs) Pretty soon I had like two bottles of super glue trying to hold this thing together at an odd angle and it didn't work. So then I actually just like taped it into the cardboard box top, box top, which I felt like 
was not in the spirit of the endeavor. And so then I was dissatisfied with my creation. Uh, and then you take your recreated bot, your object, and you take it to the final room where there are uh, the finished products of other people who have gone before you. Some of which are incredibly beautiful and some of which are incredibly disturbing. <laughs> like, especially people who took broken pieces of ceramic animal figures and tried to literally paste it back together get away in a kind of naturalistic fixing of the object. So then you get these extremely deformed animal figures. <laughs> there was one that was a tiger, and I was like, I am repelled looking at this. But there were other things that were so beautiful. I loved this live installation so much i would have done it multiple times i think that there are so few spaces in modern culture where you get to let off steam mm. and then i think there are so few times if you're not in a creator or a creative or an artist where you get to experience the power that what i'm going to call the healing power of creation I, I thought marrying these two things together was so beautiful. And I could imagine, you know, right now, like craft things are really popular. Like there are these like painting studios where you all go and you paint all together. Like there's like one on every corner in Brooklyn. We went through the ceramics phase that was very popular. Like have a party at the ceramics store and paint your bowl. I could imagine this very art exhibit as its own form of that where you pay $20 or whatever, you go in, you break your object, you get a new object, you create something new. I, I, I loved this so much. I thought this was both fun and powerful and I just adored everything about this installation. So what did it tell about your guys' experience and what you thought? Well, I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I don't think I got as much out of it as you did. Because I could have just gone in and smashed stuff with a hammer all day long. Like, that would have felt really good. Less interested in the fixing part. Um, <laughs> I took a mallet to an oversized uh, floral teapot, nice. which, which did, felt really good. And I, I think I should have done the reverse of what I did, which is that I took a mallet and I smashed that teapot into a bazillion pieces in, like, four choice hits. Um and then I went into the other room, and I picked up a suitcase that someone had destroyed. Huge mistake. So many pieces. <laughs> Didn't really? know what I was doing. Oh, I suppose so, yeah. The I zipper's like, alone. I, yeah. I was like, there's too many pieces. But I've, I've committed myself to this suitcase. So I probably spent five minutes destroying and like an hour putting a suitcase back together. But I had a similar, I wish there was a hot glue gun. And then I was like, I could put this together, but I have to punch a hole in it. And punching a hole in it is probably an, you know, antithetical to what I'm supposed to be doing, which is putting stuff together. So I just tied every piece to every other piece with yarn. So it was just like a really long um, wind chime made of suitcase. Sounds great. I was very happy with it. But there were <laughs> the beginning, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? There's so many pieces. But then I relaxed and I and I enjoyed it. But I think, yeah, like the solitary crafting time, which I never have or set yeah. aside time for. And it was that day that it was really, really snowy, so I could like sit and look out the window and it was snowing and I'm trying to glue a suitcase back together. And right. you know, that's that was nice. Sounds I, wonderful. But I really wish that I destroyed something that took more time to destroy. While I was there doing my recreation part, there was somebody taking apart something in this like long, methodical manner. I mean, this person was spending so much time. And I had a sort of a similar thing where I was like, wow, I just took one wallop at that piece of ceramic. Maybe I should have enjoyed it like slowly, more methodically. But the Relish single in the wallop was really quite Yeah, sadly. it is. Like, just take it a mat. I've even put like, little goggles and gloves on because I wanted to feel like a, like a little handyman. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. What about you, Deep? I, yeah, I had the opposite problem, which is I kind of wish I just got something where I can just, like, take a hammer to it and be done with it because I picked a typewriter because for some odd <laughs> reason it looked really nice. I wanted to see how you can pull it off. And I could not pull it off because it was an old-fashioned manual typewriter, so it was basically steel. And so other than a blowtorch, I could not have done like done much damage to a typewriter without hurting myself. Imagine if they but. gave you blowtorches. God. I know. Oh, I really awesome. wanted a blowtorch. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm telling and you, I'm thinking about shutting everything down and opening my own destroy and create craft business. I think this is a winner. But I will tell you a story, though, about uh, because like some and I ran to one of the actresses at uh, the Grand Paradise, the third rail show. And, and she said, like, oh, they closed a the show and some of those objects were in there. Oh. <laughs> and but the funny thing is about that typewriter, though, is like, OK, so I feel like, so I was like, OK, I'll just like unscrew things. And so I, I unscrewed the casing and I took it out and then bugs just, Whoa. there were bugs within that typewriter. Oh, no. And then I was like, is this a coil thing or is it just- <laughs> <laughs> Is this part of the art? Oh my God, what is, is every object, object full broken? of bugs? Oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh God, I wish you hadn't shared that part of that story. <laughs> that is so gross. You live in New York, Lindsay. Your squeamish factor can't be that bad. <laughs> they were alive or dead? They were alive. They're crawling yeah. around. Whoa! I didn't realize they were alive. When you told me, I thought they were dead. Ooh. Oh no! They 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 were crawling out of the typewriter. I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, they'll take care of the rest. Yikes! <laughs> do you think the person who assembled it had to put all the little bugs back in? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, do a job. That's yeah. what I say. It's part of the typewriter now. It's their home, for God's so, yeah. sake. So, guys, don't try to take apart a typewriter. <laughs> Got That's it. That's the moral of the story. Got it. All right. Let's jump to you, Deep. Why don't you do Ghost Rings? So, uh, Ghost Rings was part of the American Realness Festival, so it's no no longer running. Uh, it's a new Tina Sater slash Half Straddle show where she's actually on stage. I don't really know if that... Well, maybe it happens a lot. I've only seen, like, one or two Half Straddle shows. And uh, it also stars Kristen C., Aaron Marquis, and yes. Chris Jarmo. All amazing performers. I can watch them all day. And it's kind of um it's a kind of a combination of two stories. One story is a story between Aaron and her sister, and that time they tried to create an all-girl band when they were younger. And Ghost Rings was a name of a candy that they created. They just made it up, so that's the name of the band. And the other story is between Kristen C. and Aaron Marquis, and they're playing these adolescent, like, uh, I'm sorry, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know the correct term for this, but, like, adolescent, like, uh, almost coming out, like, lesbian friends. Yeah, we see it's kind of like, like a young sort of sexual awakening yeah. a little bit. And there's this cute little, these cute little interactions between wh- where they're both voicing puppets, like Kristen's voicing a deer and Aaron's voicing a seal, and they're telling each other the things they can't, they can't tell each other in real life about their longing and how much they love each other. It, it, it's adorable. And the, and the songs, I don't really know what relevant the songs have to the actual content of the storyline, but they're so, like, they're so vivid and I don't want to say whimsical, but like the images they conjured up, like at one point, Kristen's like just repeating this line of like, take, take your boat, go to the center of the river of the lake and like then go to the edges. Like she just repeats it over and over again, but it's like just so stirring. And there's just something so wonderful about seeing like two very strong, powerful women just sing rock songs to each other. Now, I don't really understand what Tina's storyline, how that connects, or how if it's even necessary. And Tina plays the drums, too, in, the, in this girl band. So it's a little bit inchoate, a little bit unfocused, but performances are amazing. I really, I really had a great time. I, I loved it. I, it yeah. has this wonderful secret slumber party vibe. Mm. And the way that when you get girls together when they're young and they become BFFFFFL, you know, and you stay up late and you're hyped up on sugar and you're going to tell everybody everything and you make up all these fantasies and you just, like, the way that spins out and the way that girls in groups grow up together and grow together or apart. Um, There's a lot of, like, playing house. There's a whole running story where... Um, Kristen is pregnant and it's Aaron's baby and how they are going to handle that like two best friends having a baby together right. and then she puts and, like a little panda in, yeah in, and she in puts her, a little panda in, in, her, in, her in her stockings and then you know she's it, it just it felt like playing house but with this edge of 
seriousness and how close is this to my actual truth right now or we're going to kind of play with fire a little bit but it's going to come through puppets and glitter and sparkles and candy and i mean i'm down for that i love it so right. and i mean and, and both of these women are so fantastic yeah. and i love watching them perform uh christian c is from Roosevelt was one of my favorite shows last year. Yeah. And Men on Boats, which we already know I love. So yeah. it's fantastic. And Aaron Markey was doing a little do- uh, festival double duty because yeah. she also mm-hmm. had her new kind of solo show called Boner Killer at the end of the Rare Festival in Joe's Pub, which I saw and was absolutely flawless. It, I love Aaron Markey. Yeah. She is, I, there's, there are, are depths to her as a performer that I am just starting to get a sense of, and I cannot wait to see what she makes in the coming years. Yeah. Okay, Jack, did you want to do Garden Speak? Yeah, I just, if only just as a sort of an example of um, some, uh, what I was talking about earlier, the sort of theme of these past two weeks for me, which is... Um, I was really struck by how many shows I saw where I felt as an audience member implicated in a really uh, profound way. So Garden Speak, um, which is by uh, a Lebanese artist named Tanya El-Khori, um, was actually, it was part of the Rare Festival, but it was actually staged uh, across the road at NYU in uh, the A. Burroughs Theater. Um, and basically the experience is you, it's only for 10 audience members at a time. And you walk into this, this vestibule and you're given instructions and uh there's a little card that tells you you're about to walk into a graveyard and that you need to go find the grave of the person who's on your card and then you need to listen to their grave and hear their story you're also instructed to take off your shoes and socks and put on effectively like a a floor-length raincoat and what you do is you walk into the second room which is uh uh is a floor covered in dirt in, wow. in fresh soil and it's a graveyard and what you've what you learn is that you kind of go and you find the grave that matches the name on your card um, and then you hear a voice coming out of the dirt and you have to dig in front of the grave to find the name of the person that you're looking for and then you have to put your ear to the ground and listen to their story and what you learn is that each of the people each, each of the names you've been given uh were real people. They are people who uh, died in the crossfire of the Syrian civil war. And so you, you lie there and you listen to this person, this deceased person, tell their story, who they were, how they died, who buried them. And you, that takes about 20 minutes. And then you are – I'm totally spoiling this, but I don't care because you won't be able to see it, and I, but I hope you will be able to see it. But it actually doesn't take away from, I don't think, the, the power of this. And then afterwards, when you get up off the dirt, uh, you are invited to write a letter to the deceased person that you, whose story you just listened to. And what you're told is that there's a good chance that these letters will make it back to the families of the deceased person. So – there's one sense of the profundity and the intimacy of lying in the dark on the dirt, and all of your senses are tingling because it's, it's, the dirt smells fresh. There's a t- certain temperature to the dirt that makes it feel very comfortable, and you feel not stupid very quickly. Um, I was amazed at how I'm in a fucking clear raincoat lying in the dirt in NYU theater, <laughs> and I really was connecting to it. And then sitting there and then knowing I have to write this letter and knowing that it might actually go to someone uh, who knew this person whose story I just heard, I sat there. The the whole performance takes about 40 minutes, but I was there for an hour because I was just sitting there trying to figure out what the fuck do I write. Uh, I know a lot of people who just couldn't write a letter after that. They just just walked out like there's nothing I can say. I I ended up writing something. But I felt, but that was the moment when I was I began this by talking about implication. I felt this incre- something I rarely feel at the theater anymore, which is responsibility. It was like, if I'm going to choose to write something, I have to think about this. I feel very responsible for whatever I have to write, and I, for at least those that hour, I the the idea of theater being this sort of dark space with strangers where you can kind of retreat into, you can just kind of like. You know, be in your little seat and just like kind of and and you know not be part of it, and they're going to do a little dance up on the stage. That was all blown apart by this this concept and this this very simple technology that created this experience. So, 
if you ever get a chance to in any place on earth see garden speaks please go see it um but i also just wanted to mention it just as like a like this is these are the things that theater can do and that it's easy to when you see enough theater think of it as a relatively passive experience but it doesn't have to be and part of what defines it as theater is that it has the ability to implicate you in a way that television doesn't film doesn't um so yeah i just wanted to share that experience more than anything how, how did how did the sound how did the sound come up was there like a speaker yeah under the... so there's speakers beneath each of the graves and um but when you approach them it's just it's a it's a very muffled sound and so in order to actually hear it clearly you have to dig into the grave so you dig a couple of inches beneath and uh and then when you write the letter, you you put it into the little hole you've dug and you cover it back up. Oh, God. I love nightmare fuel. I mean, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I like, I, I, I walked out of that theater and like went and like was like totally numb. And then I went and I got tacos and then I just sat there and I was eating my tacos and I was like, fuck. Like, I really, it was so impactful. It was so powerful that it actually had a delayed response. Where I like mm-hmm. took two bites of a taco and then I like started to well up with tears. Kind of thing. You know what like I mean? Grave digging. That's intense. Where I was just yeah. like, fuck. I was just, I mean, just just the just everything about it was um and it's only grown on me as I've um as I as I it's been like a week since I saw it. So yeah, or experienced it or did it or whatever the hell you want to say. So wow. that's my that's my that's oh, my yeah. shit. I, I wanna do that. Yeah, I know. everyone should. I, I want to grave dig, but that sounds so intense. Yeah, it was yeah. really intense and it was just like right. Right, 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 of course. Okay, we still have more shows to talk about, and we're running a little long, so let's try to get through these last few. Lightning round. Lightning round. No, no, everybody should get their due. Yeah. Gemini stars, Liz. Gemini stars. So this was part of Exponential. It's the Pioneers Go East Collective. They have been in residence at La Mama off and on for a while. We were trying to figure out how we knew them. That's how I knew them. I knew the name. And so Gemini Stars, the best I can do really, so it's a new work inspired by LGBTQ vloggers coming out, self-identification in the world of sort of YouTube and social media, juxtaposed with so the self-ident- self-identification online as yourself versus in real life, treatment, reaction, violence, exclusion, all of those things. So... The, I don't know if the way they're pitching it and the what the show is line up to me because it felt like, and I feel like this is going to sound mean, but it's not. It felt like a, like a college cabaret where we had a bunch of people coming in and everyone is expressing their identity in different ways, whether it's through a song or a poem or a story. And I wouldn't say they all necessarily come together. I don't think technology was the focus but I don't think that took away from the story it's very interesting to me so most of the cast is younger I think a couple of them are probably in their 30s and I think most of them did come of age and come out and have that experience in the age of YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and and using that as a part to shape their identity so for me, it was just something I never had to deal with. My friends didn't have to deal with. Uh, figuring out how to identify yourself online uh, and sort of wading through that. So I think it was enjoyable. I think it needed a little bit more of a shape or a, a more structured hand to pull it together. But I think they are talented performers. And I want to give a special shout out to Anthony Napoleon. Napolitano uh, who wrote and performed all the music I found him his story about sort of coming out through uh, emailing Anthony Rapp was wonderful yeah I echo all of that I thought each segment was quite lovely the performers were great I thought they were doing some really important work in the sort of space where queer youth, even in 2017, struggle with coming out and finding their community. It was very enlightening for me as somebody who is in Gen X 
to have a window into what it is like for young people today in that space and the networks that you can build online, but how even with that resource that wasn't available to older generations, it's still a challenge. But it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a cohesive unit that they were presenting as a single production. And uh, like Liz, I don't know sort of what their plans are uh, into the future, but um, there seemed to be a lot of opportunity and ambition amongst them, and I would wish them very well. And I would say that if, if you are a young queer person and uh, searching for your tribe, I think seeing something like this would be very reassuring. And even for yeah. young queer performers in the New York metropolitan area, I, I reached out to one in particular saying, I think you should go see this show. I, I think you would find it really reassuring and like that there's a community out there for you that you can be a part of. Yeah. I f- feel like this is the the little brother show to ghost rings in a strange way. Mm. Like this could mm. grow up into that with mm. a little bit more work, polishing, finessing, what have you. Um, but the, the bones are there and the bones are really interesting. Yeah. Do they, is a bunch of actors performing on stage like they're YouTubing or like what's no, the No, and that's kind of what I was expecting. Like? There's a little bit of, of a camera, self-guided camera work, I guess. Oh, There's a little bit of YouTube, but a lot of it is just kind of standing and monologuing and, you know, that way. There, there is some projector work, though. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Peace for person and ghetto blaster deep. All right. Uh, so Lindsay and I saw this on Saturday evening, and it's created by Nicole Gunn as part of. She's an Australian artist, isn't it? Cool, Nicole. Uh, she's Australian. Yeah, she's Australian. Oh, I did not catch that as her accent at all. Yeah, I was surprised when I found that out. Yeah, Nicola Gunn. My mistake. Sorry. Uh, it's presented at. It's presented at La Mama as part of Coil, and it's a monologue. It's a very physical monologue where she's talking about like moral moral relativism and and whether or not you should in- intervene when you see a man throwing stones at a sitting duck. And at the same time like she's also doing like the, the, this very physical kind of aerobic like movements and and sometimes even yoga like like it's not even dancing. It's more like things you would do if you were if you were looking for a really good gym workout. And and in the background is like the synth score that's like really like really beat heavy, very repetitive. So it's kind of like marking time with her movements. And then at one point, and I just want to share the story because it was it, it was just so visceral. Uh, she <laughs> she climbs into the audience. So it's I mean, so at La Mama, like it's kind of um, it's. Like the 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 audience seats go up. Yeah, there's a pretty steep rate. Is this in the yeah the big, the big theater? The big yeah. stakes, oh, yeah. yeah. So she she literally climbs up the audience, like just like stretches her legs like over the chairs, and then at one point she like just straddle like she stops next between me and my plus one, and I'm on the other side of the plus one, <laughs> and my plus one's wearing a red sweater, so that's what she gets for doing that, and. <laughs> She's basically sitting on her face. <laughs> yeah. She's basically <laughs> straddling her face. And like her pel, like her, Nicole's pelvis was like inches away from my date's face. <laughs> That's the sort of special treatment you get when you go to theater with Maximu. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, Deep and I were one degree away from being that person. <laughs> I am confident I would have died if that had happened to me. <laughs> Apparently, you could see everything when she's that close. Oh goodness! <laughs> it's like the kind of yes, it's kind of the audience participation that uh, you don't ask for. No. It just happens to you. <laughs> but it was just—it's all very like what she's talking about is. It's not. I won't say it's. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out how how to say this, but it's not like complicated. It's very, it's very simple, simple earthly concepts. And then at some point she throws shade at Marina Abramovich, which was hilarious. But it's really, it's really just about like, okay, what right do you have to like tell someone else to do something when you're kind of a corrupt person yourself? 
but like the way she does it it's very it's very down to earth it's very i think maybe it's her accent she just does it in a way that you're just you're it's riveting just watching her do these movements and like you at some point you could see her like getting out of breath and like she flips her hair a lot and you can like hear the hair hitting the microphone and it's it distorts the sound so all of it's just like seeing this person kind of become physically energized by her own performance and it kind of made me want to go to the gym afterwards (laughs) so it's a piece of performance art that I feel like you could post on Wikipedia as performance art Mm -hmm. and everybody would recognize it it's got all the elements it's a one-woman show there's a monologue about simple but very important morality issues there is dance there are lights there's a weird audience engagement part that deep talked about and then it it builds to I mean a crushing crescendo that is so energizing it's so exciting and yet at the same time the piece is abstract it's a little hard to totally wrap your mind and words around exactly what you're witnessing because part of it is movement based and translating that into these words that we describe over these microphones I feel like just diminishes the entire experience it makes it sound worse than it actually is. It's really great. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the very few pieces of performance art I've ever been to that is very funny. There are mm-hmm. definitely a lot of humorous moments in this show. I thought it was fantastic. It's not something I, I usually liked, and I really like that. Yeah. So I, th- the, the, I think the humor, as you pointed out, like really helped me stay engaged with it. Because if she, if it was like a serious ninety-minute piece about whether or not you should throw stones at sitting duck, like I feel like it would have slipped my wrist. So, well, and not to draw everything back to our fucking current political climate, but we've been talking about interventions so much mm-hmm. and what to do if you see something going down and. There's a there's a moral quandary involved in that, and there's also the question of do you make the situation worse, and you don't know all of the dynamics, and how do you intervene peacefully without escalating the situation? So, uh, to me, uh, I just it, it really resonated in the moment, which I, God, I live for the day when we can stop drawing every piece of art we see to our current political comment. But at the moment, that's where we are, and this truly spoke to that for me. Okay. Now, Deep, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about real magic, if you would like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys had such a good discussion last week. We talked week. about it last know. time. This I'll, is the show yeah. where they repeat the same game show over and over and over again, saying the same name. So we're bringing it onto yeah. a, a podcast for the second time? Yes. Because in the spirit of the performance, we have to revisit it. Deep and I played along at home for a day and a half, and it was, it was quite fun. I'm I thinking just wanted of to give a word. You a moment if you had any had anything to add. Oh well, it may like I'm listening. I was listening to you guys talk about last week, and that made me think about like, did anyone ever watch The Simpsons and that sideshow Bob Rake joke where he just steps on a rake? Yes, <laughs> like for an absurdly long amount of time. So it starts off being funny, and then it's not funny for a while, and then it and then tur- it's funny again. This was kind of like that. Oh, this reminds me. Have you guys heard about the Tignataro joke where she just goes on stage at the end of her act and announces that the Indigo Girls are there over and over and over? Yes. If you've never heard, she's looking up the write-up of this joke because it is exactly that, and I hadn't thought of that connection until you talked about the Simpsons episode. There's an entire genre of like human and social analysis that is this apparently. Repetition? Yeah. Like and how repetition kind of breaks your brain, which is why it's a really handy torture device for the CIA. Yeah. Oh. Because there's like this Chinese torture the Chinese water torture right. thing where it just like drops of water falling on your yeah. head. And you do it long enough. It's yeah, it's not the first drop that kills you. Mm-hmm. It's the three thousandth drop. Yeah. Yeah, so this kind of felt like that. <laughs> but yeah and no because i'm listening to you guys talk about last week i'm just like that's right it's like why why do what's the, what's the point of hoping for things you know like it just seems like pointless and we're just gonna make the same mistakes over and over again so what's the point guys yeah that's you start to feel like a sucker yeah 
Like, why am I hoping for these people to, like, do something they're never going to do? Like, how I'm hoping for rural voters to, like, kind of magically, you know, like black people, but that's not going to happen. So, like, what's the point? What is the point of anything? Why are we even talking about this? Okay. January festivals broke deep, but... (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks, Maximo. I'm done. Jack, do you have any other themes that you would like to address as part of the January festivals? (laughs) <laughs> no seriously collects, we broke deep once yeah. deep collects she's herself. completely beside herself not not particularly i i don't uh i mean i had a wonderful time this felt to like the most urgent festival season i've been a part of i don't know if it's just the climate we're in as we've mentioned a thousand times but i was really taken with it i was introduced to a lot of artists that i'm going to become obsessed with for and even like little th- artists that i Knowing myself, I have no business liking. For example, for a couple of nights, we had uh, the incredible glam, genderqueer, punk rock group Power Bottom at they Joe's Pub, awesome. which is the wrong room for Power Bottom, by the way. But <laughs> that's such a great name for. Oh, and, and there's no group. vowels in it too. And it's <laughs> there, and I was, and I'm that's I, I'm not a I'm not a rock person, let alone a punk rock person at, at all. And I was completely taken by them i just thought they were fantastic so yeah i think the festivals did their job there was a real sausage theme at this i was gonna say oh yeah so there's that um uh i saw i think it more than half the shows i saw uh involved uh the violin being played oh to some degree there's a lot of violins Um, somehow i saw no violins i saw so many violins i know that jose saw quite a few penises i only saw one i did not see any penis i feel like i saw one I saw boobs. I saw no boobs. Female genitalia, which you know, there's just like not a good word other than vulva. the p word, vulva, the vagine. But vulva. Well, the vagine is actually the interior, right? That's like the not technically. I don't know. I'm correct. just. I, I thought if I made it for like it, would the sound main cooler. Word that has. Un- I mean, it is slang. Obviously, is pussy, but I just can't say that now with the president elect. No, I'll be wearing a pussy hat at the um, at at the women's march in Washington. So I'm fine with using the word pussy. No, I'm fine with using it. I just don't want to it to be the word I use as not slang or as not a reclaiming that word context. There's mm-hmm. like no, like there's cunt. no great word. Uh, actually, I don't like it that much. Vulva is yeah. nice. I like that. That just yeah. sounds so, too no. medical. Well, well, that's because that's, that's what it's called. Like, I know. No, I know. Yeah. no debate it's, it's, it's there. The and Jack's not weighing in on this. But. <laughs> I, I don't have a, I don't have a, I don't have a, I don't There's have like a. There's like labia and clitoris and all these other things where it just feels like you're just like getting too like in an anatomy So class. what did you see exact? How many, how many did you see? All of the above. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I want to, des- I want to describe, I, I need a word that is not pussy for describing that. What you saw. Yeah. Has n- no one has said the word vagina yet? No, that's what. Well, she said vagine. Yeah. Vagine. But no Wait, one has, friend, no one has <laughs> said <laughs> the, <laughs> like the most common word. That yeah, is, but that's so technical. In, and it's yeah, incorrect. It is incorrect. Because vagina is right. the Okay, yeah. okay. So that's the problem is like, it is the word that I think we have all come to use, which I probably yeah. would use, but, but also it being technically incorrect feels more wrong now. I feel like I, I don't know. I, I'm with, I hear you, yeah. yeah. I'm so glad we had this conversation. No, that was helpful. <laughs> that was I really helpful. I feel like helpful. the listeners should tweet at us to tell us yeah. what we if should you, call. Yeah. If you've got a good name Pussies. for it, let us know. If you've know. got a good name. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we'll, we'll I put do... it on a mug. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy the Max Wu gift shop. Yeah, we're trying to get new mics, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like the theme, actually, so just uh, to bring it back down. <laughs> oh, I, I literally thought we completely moved on. But yes, do. Please do tell us. No, I feel like a theme actually was just like shows that we normally would not be in the January festival, like pretty like positive, straightforward, linear theater that's kind of clear about what it's trying to do, which is surprise. I mean, it doesn't happen very often, so now that's surprising in January. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the little giving my brain a break. In between all the all the other stuff, so besides, I was going to say sausage as a theme in in my festival experience, but actually the theme of anatomy and parts and how what to do with them. What do I have? What am I doing with it? 
where is it going? You know, the, the sort of compartmentalization of the body. I feel like in anatomy theater, I feel like that was in Gemini stars, ghost rings, and even a little bit in Whatever. Porto about yeah. like the process of making the sausage and the intestines and all of that. And the show that Jack saw penises at. Yeah. Yeah, that was just Champagne Jerry, though. I mean, if you've ever seen Champagne Jerry, there's like 30 solid minutes of him without pants. I've seen him do a handstand nude, so I've right. gotten a view so of his penis oh, that yeah. is unique of all penises <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, yeah, that's an anatomy class in itself. That's anatomy theater right there. There you go. Champagne Jerry. Okay, the Maximu podcast is going to be on a brief hiatus. Because we have to move our studio to a location that has not yet been determined. Lindsay has to be out of her apartment. <laughs> yes. yes. So if you, if I may sleep on your Sorry, stoop, I didn't mean to. <laughs> let me know. Because well, I'll be homeless has in housing. 15 days and counting. So I do want to say we will not be bringing you, I'm very sorry, listeners, our February preview. So you will have to navigate the world of theater off Broadway in New York City alone at the beginning of February. I mean, or you February. can tweet at us, right? Of course, we always take questions tweet. on Twitter. Yeah. But we will be back in mid-February with a episode reviewing the theater we have seen. So even though we won't be here talking about it, we will be out at the theater, as is our jobs. And I just want to highlight one show to make sure everybody knows about it. Brandon Jacobs Jenkins has a show at the Signature Everybody, tickets are on sale for only $30 if you get in before there's an extension and the price goes up. We will be talking about that on that mid-February episode. And as always with his shows, encourage you to see it. She, uh, listener, she wasn't addressing you. The show is called Everybody. Oh, did not? Was that not clear? It, the way it flowed in your <laughs> it sentence, like it sounds like, Brandon Jenkins has a new show, everybody. It sounded <laughs> like, yeah, that's what it sounded like, which is true. No, that's yeah. a true statement, but the show itself is called, I love that as a title for yeah, a play, yeah, Everybody. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be a bitch to Google after the fact, like Brandon Jacob Jacobs. Everybody, Melissa James Gibson's show, this which you cannot get oh, online. Yeah, that's, it's very hard to that's find. That's tough. Yeah. All right, but we will be back with that in mid February. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Max Smooth Theater and Performance Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or opinions that differ from our own, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us all on Twitter. Maximu is at Maximu. Jack is at Jack in Brooklyn. Deep is at Deep Thought. Liz is at Miss Liz Richards. And I'm at Lindsay Barons. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have merch. You can buy coffee mugs, tote bags, stickers, and more with your favorite Maximu-isms on them. You can get to the store via Maximu.com. All proceeds go to helping the podcast improve our sound quality. We'll see you back here for our next episode on February 22nd. See you then. Theatrical Media 